join with us for this teaching from the Word of God. About ready to go? Everybody come on in, get a seat, and let's get started. Let's go ahead and read uh, our foundation scriptures this morning. Go to Genesis chapter 1. We'll read these again. We've looked at them, but let's do it again. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them do what? Have dominion. Now go to Genesis chapter 14. And let's take a look at uh, an occurrence that happened there. In Genesis 14, verse number 18, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the high priest, so he was the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him. In other words, Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Well, at this time he was called Abram. And then Melchizedek said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor, of heaven and earth. And blessed be the most high God which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he, Abram, gave him Melchizedek tithe of all. Now go to Malachi chapter 3. And verse number 10 says, Bring B-R-I-N-G, bring, didn't say send, <laughs> but it said bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Now go to Luke 6.38. And that says give, and it shall be given unto you. If you give, what's going to, be, what's going to happen? It's going to be given back to you. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And verse number 7 says, Let every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. So it sounds, sounds like you can decide how much to give, doesn't it? Now, we've already established, and let's go back and look at that for just a second, back at Genesis chapter 1, we've already established the fact from the Scripture that you were created to have dominion. Because it says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them, and I emphasize that word, let them have dominion. Uh, he didn't say let him or let Adam but he said, let them, let mankind. When he talks about let us make man, he's talking about the species of man. He's talking about making a, a new species, man, after his image. And let's let this species of being that will inhabit the earth, that he tells later to multiply and subdue and replenish the earth, let this species of being be the one that has dominion, not animal life. Not the birds, not the fish, uh, you know, not the lions or what, or the elephants or whatever. But let this species, let man be the one to have dominion. Now that word dominion means to prevail against, to reign. In other words, rule over or take possession of. So 
That simply means, as we look at that scripture and, and, and put it in light of today's happenings or today's events, that means that you, as a man, or species, of, when I say man, that includes you ladies also, because we're talking about the species, let's let man have dominion. That means that you should be reigning in life. That means you should be ruling in life. You should be, you, you should be prevailing against all of the circumstance in your life, and you should be taking possession of things that are in your domain or domain. Now, if, uh, if that's not happening, then we need a checkup. If, if the devil is pushing you around, then it's because you have given him or are allowing him to have the upper hand in some area. Now, we're talking about tithes and offering, so we, we're, going to, we're going to approach it from that standpoint here today uh, that, that when, when we do not tithe, when we do not bring the offering, then we're opening ourselves up to the curse. We're opening ourselves up to, to be available for Satan to have his way. The Bible says in one place that he is like a roaring lion, roaming about, roaring everywhere he goes, with spewing out all kinds of threats, doing what? Seeking. Seeking whom he may devour. That means he can't devour everybody, or he can't devour anybody he just wants to devour. He just can't come up to you and say, hey, look, I'm here to devour you today. Lay down and let me devour you. He is seeking. He is looking for your permission. And if you're not a tither and not a giver, then you're giving him permission. Because the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 that you're cursed with a curse because of not tithing. You have become a God robber. Remember we talked about that last week, how that a person can rob God. Now, now there's only two ways we said to rob God. One is by force and one is by deceit. Now, you, you can rob somebody by forcing. You can take a gun and force somebody to give you all of their goods. Or you can deceive them out of it. But now you know that God is more powerful than we are. God, God is, is, is omnipotent. He possesses all power in heaven and in earth. So it would be impossible for us to strong arm God, you know, with our strength, our natural abilities, and to physically rob him. And being omniscient, he knows all things, so even the secret things of the heart, so we can't deceive God. So what, what God is talking about in Malachi chapter 3, when, when he says you have become God robbers or you have robbed me by not paying the tithe, you are depriving God of the privilege of pouring blessings into your life. He is robbed of blessing you. How many of you know God wants to bless you? God wants you to be prosperous. God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be intelligent. God wants you to be just like him because he said he created you in his own image. And when the person fails to tithe or fails to give offerings, according to Malachi chapter 3.10, they are robbing God. They are tying him, like it said of the ones in, in, uh, in Israel when they were being brought out of uh, Egypt through the uh, wilderness. It said they tied the hands of the Holy One and didn't allow him to do things in their life. The, the person who fails to tithe, who willfully withholds the tithe, are tying the hands of God. Therefore, you're not able to reign in life. You're not able to prevail. You're not able to rule over your circumstances. You're not able to take possession of the blessings that God is pouring out. It's just being wasted. So 
So you have to, to do these things. You have to become a tither if you're going to reign, rule, prevail, and possess life. Your dominion has to have a foundation, and tithing is the foundation on which that dominion stands. Now, I want you to understand this. There is a difference between the tithe and between tithing. There's a difference between the tithe and tithing. Tithe, of course, is 10% of your income or 10% of your increase. The word tithe, we said, meant a tenth, remember? So the tithe, the tithe is 10% of your income or 10% of your increase. Tithing, on the other hand, is a lifestyle of bringing the tithe. In other words, in other words, somebody comes out to, to the church building where we meet. Now, we know we're the church, so when I say church, I'm, I'm not excluding the body of Christ. We're just talking about the building, okay? So when somebody comes into the church building on a Sunday, let's say they come on Christmas Sunday, or they come on their mother's birthday, or, or they come on resurrection weekend, and come only that one weekend a year, and b believe me, a lot of people do that, and they claim to be churchgoers. And when they come that day, they put a penance of an offering into the plate and declare that they are a tither, that they have brought the tithe. Well, they may have given an offering, but that one-time event, tithing is not a one-time event. Tithing is a lifestyle. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1, to present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So it's only reasonable to worship God, the Bible says. Now this reasonable service is translated a spiritual act of worship. Reasonable service, a spiritual act of worship. So now your tithe, your offering, represents a part of your life. You've invested time. You've invested resources. Those of you who are entrepreneurs or in business for yourself, you've even invested money. You've put things into something in order to get a return back. If you work for someone else or for a company, then Monday through Friday or whatever your work schedule is, you get up every day and you invest a part of your life into that individual or into that company, expecting at the end of the week, to receive a return, to make an exchange, in other words. You are exchanging part of your life for the resources that that individual has. You understand what I'm saying? So, so then what you are receiving back, in actuality, has become part of your life. It's part of you. So when you bring the tithe and offering back to God, you are presenting your life back to God. Because really, that's what you're doing. Because this, you, God, this is what I did with my life this week. This is what I got in return. I'm bringing your tithe back to you. So it's only a reasonable act of worship to bring God tithes. When you present the tithe, you are in fact worshiping God with your life. You're worshiping him with your very life. <clears throat> and this particular act of worship, the act of presenting the tithe, positions you to receive the blessings of God. You're getting in a position to where you are allowing God to do something in your life. The windows of heaven, the Bible says, are then opened. The windows are opened in heaven. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, and I will open the windows of heaven for you. God says he's going to open the windows. The Bible talks about windows and doors a lot in, in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say God opens the windows and we climb in. 
He says, you're always entering through the door. Door is, door is what gives you access. The windows allows you to look in and see. You see, you can look through this window and see in here, but you're not supposed to climb through the window. You become a thief and a robber if you climb through the window. But if you come through the door, <clears throat> that's another issue. But anyway, he says he opens the windows of heaven for you, and when the windows of heaven are open and you're in a position, then he says the blessings of God can be poured out. I like to say it this way. I like to think of it this way. The tithing is the thing that gives you the access or the availability. The windows then are opened, and you can view and you can see and you can know all of the blessings of God. <clears throat> you know what is available to you. But then, as you tack on offerings, as you sow seed, as you plant in the various ministries, as you plant into the men and women of God, as you give of your life, then God simply pushes the blessings back to you. Now you say, but brother, how did you get that out of Malachi chapter 3.10? Well, let me tell you, God was talking about tithe and offering. He wasn't just singling out tithe because he said, you've robbed me in tithe and offerings, you see. He's talking about both. So he says, bring it all back to the storehouse, plant it all back into the kingdom, and I'll open the windows of heaven, and I'll begin to pour out blessings to you that there won't be room enough to receive. There'll be more than enough. We know that God's more than enough, don't we? He's not just an ordinary average God, but he's God of more than enough. So let's talk about offerings for just a bit. The difference, there's a difference between tithing and giving offerings. Now, some people give an offering, but they never tithe. They come to church. They come here on Sunday morning. They come here on Wednesday night. And when the plate goes by, they put something in the plate, declaring it to be an offering or declaring it to be a tithe, but they've never brought the tenth. The tithe is 10% of your income. Everybody know how to figure 10%. Anybody does not know how to do 10%. Ask your neighbor. They will show you. They will tell you how to do 10%. Did you, did you have to ask him? Oh, he was asking you. Oh. <laughs> but the tithe is the first 10%. If you can't figure 10%, do this. Get, reduce all of your income down to dollar bills and start putting them in, in piles and make you 10 piles. You know, one, two, three, four, five, six, good 10 piles. Then you take this first 10, 10, this first pile of whatever it is and give that to God. That's, that's one way to do 10%. If, you can't, if you're not a mathematical genius, that'll help you do that. Get your 10 envelopes and just start putting money in it. Use a little envelope budget process. And the first envelope is God's envelope. So, and, and I might say then that the tithe, yes, is the first 10%. It's not the leftovers. It's not the sick and lame. It's not the spotted or it's not the, the torn. It's not the messed up. It's the first 10%. You know, when, when, uh, when Israel, uh, the Israelites were in the spring of the year, uh, when uh, I'd say late spring, early summer, when they brought all the cattle back in to, to see what had produced that year, they would run them through a little shoot thing and they would count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now, that's one way to do 10%. And when, that, and when he said 10, that's the one that belonged to God. You know, sheep, a goat, uh, 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 whatever they had, whatever they were growing or whatever they were doing. It was one, two, three, and they would just count them, you know. And when they hit number 10, that was it. And, and lo and behold, if number 10 was the fanciest one in the group, it still went to God. It didn't make any difference. It belonged to God no matter what. They didn't go back and say, well, now that one is too pretty. Let me go back here and get number seven because, you know, he didn't have but three legs. Let's give that old three-legged thing to God. 
You know, some people do that, you know. Some people give God second, third, fourth, and fifth best. They don't give God the best. When God demands the first, no matter what it is, whether it's the cream of the crop or whether it is the three-legged, if it's the first, it belongs to God. So you give God the first. The tithe is the first 10%. Look, at, look I want you to see this. Now, now, this is what I get out of this. Now, I don't know where you'll get it or not, but listen to what I say. In, in uh, <clears throat> Genesis chapter 14, when Abram came back from the conquest, he had been out and he had, uh, he had defeated the, the uh, kings of these other countries and he was on his way back home. Hadn't gotten back home yet. He was on his way and he met Melchizedek, king of Salem, and he brought, verse number 20 says, and blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And Abram gave Melchizedek tithe of all. Tithe of all. So now, he still had it all. He hadn't, he hadn't dispersed or hadn't given away or hadn't done anything with any of the spoil or any of the bounty or booty or whatever you call it that he had uh, yet he had won or that he had gotten when when he defeated the kings he still had it all so he gave him a tithe or 10 a tenth 10% of everything that he had so i surmise that this was the first thing that abram did you see because since he still had it all he hadn't done anything else he hadn't paid off his hands his herdsmen he hadn't paid his tent bill you see, he his mortgage on his tent. He didn't pay that. He didn't pay the mortgage on his camels. He paid, he brought the tithe of all, so he still had it all. <coughs> now, I'm trying to get something across to you, that this is the first thing that you do. When you get your paycheck, your increase, when you sit down with your accountant businessman, and he says, okay, you've made this much this quarter, then the very first thing you do, even before you pay the accountant, the first thing you do is write that check to God. Because God said, I want to be first in your life. You put God first, and guess what God will do? He will put you first. Because he said, you'll be the head and not the tail. Now you put God last, and guess what you're going to be? You're going to be a tail. Nobody wants to be a tail. I could tell you why, but I'm not going to. <laughs> okay. So you put God first. Go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Let's get over there just a second. 1 Corinthians, where's that at? Somewhere. Uh, chapter 16. There it is right there. Verse number 2. It says, upon the first day of the week. Not the second day, not the third day, but the first day of the week. Let every man or let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him. So whatever your increase is, as, as you have prospered that week, that month, that year, ever how you get paid, ever how you calculate your increase. Now, some of you probably might work at a place where they pay you every day. At the end, I've known people have jobs that they get paid at the end of the day. If that's the case, and somebody gives you $100 today, you first of all take $10 of that $100 and put it aside and don't touch it. Why? Because it belongs to God. 
The first tenth always belongs to God. The offering then becomes, once you have brought the tithe, then you're in a position to give an offering. The offering becomes any amount or a amount, an amount, above the tithe. <clears throat> this is important right here. What does that mean? <laughs> if you have not presented the tithe, you are not giving an offering. If you have not presented the tithe, you are not giving an offering. So if you come in, you haven't brought your tithe for the week. You went out and you paid this, you gave that, you, you, you sent, you know, this, you gave your son this amount so he could have fun for the weekend, you know, and say, this is your allowance, son, and, and you just go do what you want to do with it. And then you say, well, I, hey, I've only got $15 left, and I need 10 bucks worth of gas to get back and forth to work. I'm going to give God $5. And here's my little $5 offering, God. You are not giving an offering. You're not doing anything because you haven't brought the tithe. The offering doesn't become an offering until the tithe has been presented. And incidentally, when you do bring the tithe, you cannot designate the tithe. You cannot tell the pastor how to spend the tithe. We talked about that already. However, you can designate offerings because, see, offerings are taken for, for specific reasons. We receive missions offerings. Kevin and Leslie McNulty were here this past weekend and we receive two offerings for them. So when, when you give in that offering, you are, in essence, you are, in fact, designating the offering. On Building Fund Sunday, first Sunday of each month, you can put something in the envelope and you can mark it Building Fund. Or you can mark it to guest speakers or missionaries or whatever you want to do. When you do that, you're designating and you have the right, you have the privilege to give a designated offering. But I would like to say this. If you intend to give a designated offering, please make certain that we have a designated fund. In other words, see, don't just put it in an envelope and mark it for anything you want to mark it for. Uh, you know, earmark the money to go to here, and then, then we receive it for that. Because uh, in actuality, designated money is supposed to be spent for the designated purpose. You see? But uh, so, so make certain that we have a fund. If you are undecided and you come to see myself or Sister Patsy or, or somebody, you know, in, in leadership to make certain that we will be able to utilize that money for that purpose. Now, don't, don't designate your envelope. Don't put your envelope, don't put it in your envelope and say, well, you know, I, I just feel like brother or sister so-and-so needs money and I'm going to give this to the church and I want the church to give it to them. No, if you want to do that, you just give them the money and get it over and done with. Don't try to get an income tax deduction because you're giving alms. They say, see, alms is another issue. See, if we had time, we could talk about alms. A-L-M-S, not arms, but alms. <laughs> when you give an alms, you're giving to the poor. In, a, in other words, you're giving to the needy. You're giving something to someone who needs it. And God says, if you give to the poor, then you're lending to me. You're not giving to that individual or giving for that purpose so you can get an income tax deduction. You see, if you're dependent on the federal government, then forget God. You know, if you're, if you're going to give an alms to somebody just for the purpose of getting the income tax deduction. Now, it's nice that we're able to bring our tithe and offering to the church and the federal government, the state government, allow us that deduction. That's good, and we will receive it. 
Because the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the poor, for the just. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. So we as just bringing our tithe and they give us this break, we'll take some of their wealth, that's fine. But if you're going to give an alm to, to a needy individual, God says you give to that person and I'll be the one to repay you. Don't expect that person to return it to you. He said because you are giving to them, but in fact you're lending to me. And I will be the one to repay you. So let God do that. So make sure the designation is right. Now you should give every time an offering is received. Every time that an offering is received, you ought to put something in the plate. In your local church, here's the thing. The tithe ought to be the first thing and is the first thing. But then attach an offering to it. Somebody said, and I don't, can't remember who it was, as far as the size of the offering, said it ought to be equal to the tithe. I don't know. You know, if, if, if you can, that's great. And, and we will receive it. But, but make certain that there is an offering attached to every tithe. And here's a good way. I'll tell you, here's a good way to do that. A very good way to do that. Now, some people do this, what I'm getting ready to tell you, and that's fine if that's what they want to do because they are scriptural, they are biblical, they're right on when they do that. If they get a paycheck at the end of the week, and, and I'm just going to say it's $187.23. Okay, $187.23. How much is the tithe on $187.23? Somebody tell me. 18 how much? Okay, and I see envelopes marked exactly like that. That's fine because that's biblical. They're right on because they're giving the first tenth. But if you want to attach an offering to it, you know what you ought to do? Round it up to 20, round it up to 25 or something. You know, just round it up. And then you have brought the tithe and you have attached an offering to it. So every time that you tithe, you ought to give an offering. And every time the, the offering bucket is passed around, you ought to put something in it. Now, when you're in other ministry meetings, don't tithe. You don't, you don't go down the street somewhere to another church and carry your tithe down there. The, God didn't say, carry your tithe to another minister. He said, bring your tithe into your storehouse. Your storehouse, where you are spiritually fed, where, where you are nourished, where you're getting godly counsel, where, where a, a pastor is, is, is marrying your children. Where a pastor is taking care of your need. That's where you bring your tithe because that is your storehouse. Now it's good to have another minister that you can get fed from, but that minister doesn't deserve and doesn't receive your tithe because he's not there day in and day out, night after night. You can't call him up in the middle of the night. He probably wouldn't answer his phone. If he's got caller ID, I know he wouldn't. If he saw, he said, who in the world is that? And he never would pick it up. Bring your tithe to your storehouse. But when in another ministry, give an offering. Men of God are sowing into your life. So you ought to give an offering back. In uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse number 6, in the uh, Amplified Bible, it says this. Let him, that would be you, that would be me. Let the individual who receives instruction, we're receiving something, let the individual who receives instruction in the word of God share all good things with his teacher contributing to his support. So it is only right, it's only biblical, it's only scriptural if you are receiving, if somebody is sowing into your life, if a man or woman of God is sowing into your life, you should be sowing into their life. 
That's what the Bible is saying. That's what the Word of God is saying. Now, look at uh, 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 1 Timothy 5.17. Just a little short scripture here. 1 Timothy 5.17. It uses the word elders, but when we were talking, you remember we were talking back uh, sometime back. Elder means pastor, teacher, you know. So let, let's say it this way. Let the pastor or teacher that rules well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in word and doctrine. So if a man or woman of God has taken his time, her time, taken of their life, and are planting back into your life, it's only right, it's only biblical, God says to sow back into their life. And if they're doing a good job, if they're really, if you're really getting fed, God says double up, double up. So, so you ought to be doing that. That's what you ought to be doing. The tithe belongs to the local church. That's important. Don't forget that. The tithe belongs to the local church. Now, where is your local church? Eagle's Nest. And that is, uh, God called it a storehouse. This is a storehouse. There's, there's a lot of stuff here. I mean good stuff. You don't come here and get uh, pablum. You don't come here and open up a jar of Gerber baby food. That doesn't happen, does it? <laughs> I've, now, I've seen a time we probably ought to have a bunch of baby food because there's nothing near but babies sometimes. <laughs> At least people act like babies. But let me tell you, there's good food here. There's good stuff here. There's, there's strong meat here. It may gag you sometime, and you may throw it back up, but pastor said just chew it up and swallow it again. He'll push it back in, and you just swallow it. Sooner or later, you'll be able to hold it down. And when you do, it'll make you nice and strong. So, so this is your storehouse. By giving every time that the, that the uh, opportunity is available, you're planting consistently. You are being consistent. And if you are consistent with God, guess what? God will be consistent with you. But if it's a hit and miss thing with you and God, then it might be a hit and miss thing with God and you. One day we're up, next day we're down. My brother pastored a little church over in eastern North Carolina he still pastors, but it's not the same church. Now, he pastors a rather large church in Kinston right now, one of the larger churches in that, in that area. But he was pastoring a little small church. This was a little funny story, so this is a sidetrack. It ain't going to cost you nothing, so don't worry about it. Uh, it was, he pastored a little church, and he said he had 75 people. Uh, no, excuse me. He had 150 people in church. So I would go down, and, you know, back, back in, those, in those churches, uh, denomination, they have a board up. Some of y'all been to a church where we had the board up? And they would show membership and offering and attendance and stuff like that. Well, he kept saying he had, uh, he, had seven, he had 150 people in his church. But every time I went, it was only 75 on the board. And I said, Bobby, what's the deal here? You're telling me that there are 150 people in your church, but there's only 75 on the board. He said, yeah, my attendance is up and down. See, some people are up and down with God. See? Well, I said, what do you mean up in, he said, one week they're up in the mountains and the next week they're down at the beach. <laughs> so, <laughs> so sometimes people just are up and down, you know. Don't be an up and down giver. Don't be an up and down tither. 
get consistent with God, be counted on every time the opportunity comes to tithe, every time the opportunity comes to give, let God count on you. Let God know you mean business and you're consistent with him. And guess what? He's going to get consistent with you. Now here's something else about the tithe. When we bring the tithe, God promises to uh, give protection. He promises to open the windows of heaven. Malachi 3.10, we've already talked about that. But here's something about giving. Jesus stated there's a promise attached to giving or a provision attached to giving. Uh, Luke 6.38, let's go over there. Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 6. Let's go back and look at it. We, we, we read a piece of it a little while ago, but let's go back and look at the whole verse. He says, Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So it's going to be, it's going to be a good measure. The return is going to be a good measure. It's going to be pressed down. It's going to be shaken together, and it's going to be running over. How many of you ever raked any leaves in the fall of the year? And you got this big bushel of whatever it is you're putting it in. And, and I use the back of my truck, but the same thing applies to a, a bushel or, or a big bucket or a trash can. You fill it up, and it's just running over, isn't it? But guess what? If you shake it around a little bit and get all the air spots out of it and put your foot down in it and press it down, you can take what was a, a full one and make it way down about a half. And then you can put some more in it. Well, God says when the return comes, it's going to be a good measure, but he's going to press it down. He's going to shake it together. And even though it's pressed down and shaken together, he's still going to cause it to run over. He's, he's, he's a God as more than enough, and he says it's not necessarily coming from him, but he says men will give back to you. So we don't just sit around and expect, you know, everything to fall out of heaven from God. Let God use you to sow into the life of another individual, and as you're doing that, God's going to use another individual to sow back into your life. And don't pick out brother or sister so-and-so in the church because they happen to have money. Don't say, well, I'm going to give this and brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so is going to give me a, a special gift. Don't dictate to God. Don't tell God who to use. Amen. God's going to use the, the one who's most unlikely, the one you don't suspect or expect. Because listen, if you pick and choose or, 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 or if it comes from the one that you expect that has it, Guess what? It just came from that person. But when it comes from a source that you didn't know about, a source that you didn't think that had it, a source, you, listen, you don't know who's got what in their back pocket. God may have just pressed it down, filled it up, and run it over. And when it starts running over, running out, it, might, it might just might drip on you. But when it comes from a source that you don't know about, you say, thank you, Father. It had to come from you. It had, this had to be you. Press down, shaking together, run over. Men are going to give back into your bosom. Men are going to give back into your store chest. God wants to bless you. God wants you to be blessed. In Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus said, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He gets pleasure out of giving you good things. God gets excited when he sees his children prosper. God gets a great pleasure out of, out of giving you or allowing something to come into your life. God doesn't want or God doesn't promise now to give back exactly what you give. Now it says here with the same measure, 
that you measure in Luke 6 38 says for with the same measure that uh, you measure uh, it shall be measured back to you again but he doesn't promise to give you exactly the same every time this good measure this pressed down this shaking together this running over this running over means it's more it's actually more than you gave now he measure, may measure back the same way you give dollars he may give you dollars back but he's going to give you more uh, Brother Copeland said one time he needed socks. So he started giving away socks. He started planting socks. He'd give somebody some socks. Says, First thing you know, he just had bunches of socks. I read, I read uh, one of Buddy Harrison's books. He said he, he bought a gold sport jacket one time. He, he, had, he had one suit that he wore all the time. And he just got tired of wearing that suit, and people got tired of seeing that one suit that he wore all the time. So he, he finally believed God for enough money to buy a sports jacket. A gold sports jacket. He said, well, I can take this gold jacket and I can wear it with any pants. I can wear it with brown. I can wear it with blue. I can wear it with black. You know, I got a different outfit. Just change the necktie and everybody think I got a new outfit on. This one gold sport jacket. The very first day he wore that jacket into a church, a brother in the church said, well, said, brother buddy, that's a beautiful jacket you got on. It's brand new, isn't it? Buddy said, yeah. I said, you want to try it on? And the guy put it on and buddy said, well, well it fits you perfect. Said, and it looks so good on you. And the man started to take it off, and Buddy said, no, don't take it off. You just keep it. I'm going to give it to you. He gave him the sport jacket. He said, I think it was two weeks, about two weeks. He had 10 brand-new outfits. He received 10 brand-new outfits back in his place. Now, you see, he gave a coat. He gave clothes. He received clothes back, but he didn't give one and get one. He gave one and got 10, you see. So he says, with the same measure, God's going to, you know, I, I, I like to think this. Give away, listen to this, this is not in the lesson, I just thought of it. Give away the very thing that you need. Amen. Give away the very thing that you need. Amen. So whatever you're expecting God, whatever you're believing from God, you sow that into somebody else's life. If you want to get your house paid off, help somebody else pay their house off. Amen. If you need a new automobile or if you need a car, help somebody else get a car. Amen. Amen? So you give away the very thing that you need. God says with the same measure that you measure out, it's coming back. It's coming back. So God wants to give. We have a heavenly Father who is more than enough. He's going to be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now get this. Don't be a tightwad with God. This is something about your offerings. Don't become a tightwad with God. Do you know something? And this might, you know, this might just be because the federal government makes more of these or the U.S. Treasury makes more of these than anything else. But when we make the church deposit on Sunday, you know, we deposit more $1 bills than we do fives. We deposit more fives than we do tens. We deposit more twenties than we do hundreds. You see? Now, now, now we go to some churches. I, I have been to some churches and the plate come by. Oh, and, and the, the deacons, you know, they're receiving the offering, and they got this little round plate, and they're having to hold it like this to keep the dollar bills from running out. I mean, you got a dollar bill offering. So don't be a tightwad with God. Give God the best offering that you can give. Give him the very best that you have. If you look in your wallet, when, when it comes time to give, and you look in your wallet, and here's, a, here's a, about five ones, and here's two or three twenties, and here's a hundred, and so on down the line. And, and what the, the, most people are going to reach over and get that one dollar bill. Once in a while, get one of those twenties. Pop that in. Two or three of those twenties. Pop that in there. 
every once occasionally grab a hold of that $100 bill and put that in there. But here's what you want to do. You want to always listen to God, always listen to what he's saying, and allow him to speak to you in, in your giving. So give God the very best offering that you can. In uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 6 says, He which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. So if you sow a lot, you're going to receive a lot. If you sow a little, then you're going to receive a little. Amen? Now let me give you a natural lesson. Can I give you something in the natural that we can apply in the spiritual? Can y'all see, see this? People on the front probably can see it. Maybe on the second row can see it. Kent squinting his eyes. He can barely see it. The next row don't know what I got in my hand, and the back row don't know that I've even got anything in my hand. What is it, Robert? It's a kernel of corn. That's exactly what it is. It is a corn seed. This is a seed. Do you know what? If you put this one seed in the ground, if you plant one seed in the ground, it will produce three of these. Now, the back row can see this. It, this one will produce, on the average, three of these. Now, I'm talking averages. But how many of you know we don't have an average God? Amen. Abundantly above all that we can think or ask. And, and when, we, when we sow, God doesn't plant back to us average. But in the natural, the farmer is expecting to put this in the ground and to receive three of these. Okay? Now, if this were average it would have 1,410 of these on it if this were average. But guess what? This isn't average. This one is not average. You see how, you see there's none missing? See, it's just it's full all the way around? Then night they're in straight rows. See, see how everything is straight and neat in here? This, this is an exceedingly abundantly above ear of corn. Now this one here has uh, 1,782 on it. How do I know? I counted them. It has 1,700, I did, I did, doll, I counted every last one of them. <laughs> it, has, it has 1,782 on it. So you see, it's above average. You see? This is above average. Now, if, if in, the, in the natural, the farmer puts this in the ground and plants and receives three average, three average, he's, he's going to receive on each one, 1,410 of these. Now, if it's above average, like this one is, he's going to receive 1,782. But instead of receiving three, if it's above average, he's going to receive four of these from this. That means, that means he's going to have then 2,376 of these because it's above average. This was an above average seed. You planted an above average seed. You gave God your best, and God gave back to you the best. You be a, you be a miser with God. You just hit and miss with God, and you give God second best, then you're going to be back over in this average or this below average group. But he says, give the best, you will receive the best. Now, get this. 
the farmer doesn't plant just one. Now I've seen now now I've seen Christians, I've seen churchgoers, when the plate comes around, they put one dollar in the church plate. That would be like the farmer going out and planting one kernel of corn. But the farmer doesn't do that. He doesn't go in his back in his backyard and just put in one kernel of corn. He plants it by the acre. He plants this stuff by the acre. Some of them by the hundreds of acres. I've been down to eastern North Carolina. They plant it by the thousands of acres down there. But he plants it by the acre. So if he is an average farmer, just an average hit and miss farmer, not trying to do anything extra special, but just just a little average person, and he plants a whole acre of these, he's going to get back thirty-one million. 534,650 of these little boogers. Just average. Just average. But if he has a bountiful harvest and gets a perfect stuff like this, you see, and he gets above average, instead of getting three, he gets four, he's going to receive 70,852,320 of these little boogers. He is, he, he's going to receive more than a double harvest. He's going to be double favored. He's going to be double honored. So you give, you, you, you operate in God's best. Become more than just an average giver. You give God the best gift that you have, and you just watch it start coming back, coming back. God's going to double up and help you catch up real quick. Because he doesn't want his people in poverty. He doesn't want you sick. He, he doesn't want you to be the outcast. He wants you to be the head and not the tail. He wants you to be above and, and not beneath. Now, always plant the best and always be consistent. Always, every time the offering plate comes, put something in. Put the best gift you have in every time. The farmer plants often. He doesn't plant just once every 10 or 15 years. But every time the planting season comes around, he plants. The reason for that is because he's expecting a harvest every harvest season. He's expecting a return. So you always plant, you always be consistent. Give in every offering. Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 says that if you will sow, let's go back and look at Ecclesiastes 11.1. 1. Cast thy bread upon the wave, for thou shalt find it after many days. Now, now I want you to look at verse number 4. Look at what it says. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. And he that regardeth the cloud shall not reap. So when the offering plate comes around, when it comes time to give, the old devil's going to jump right up on your ear and start talking about mortgage payments. He's going to start talking about car payments. He's going to start talking about gasoline for the automobile. He's going to talk, start talking about tires for the automobile. He's going to give you every reason that you should not participate in this offering. But be consistent with God. Don't listen to the devil. You always obey God. Now, when you give, your heart and your attitude must be right. You must have a right attitude. Your heart and your attitude must be right. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. Let's go back and look at that right quick. 2 Corinthians. Let's see if I can find that. Are you there yet? 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 7 says... Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So you have a purpose when you give. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. 
because God loves a cheerful giver. You shouldn't be uh, give a grudgingly or give of necessity because God loves a cheerful giver. Now in, uh, in Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12 and verse number 41, Jesus set over against the treasury and behold how people cast money into the treasury and how many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites which made a farthing and he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow cast in more than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. So what did she do? She was giving the very thing that she needed. Now the rich man wasn't doing that. He was giving what he had. He was, he was giving out of his abundance. So make sure your attitude, make sure your heart is right when you give. Now here's some other things about the offering. I need to wind this up real quickly. Uh, some other things about the offering. Watch your purpose when you give. Now we just read that 2 Corinthians 9, 7, every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So you have a purpose. Don't give out of pressure. Don't give because someone up there is telling you, oh, if you don't give, we're going under. Guess what? Let them go under. They don't need to be out there in the first place. If, they, if, they're, if they're talking about a poor God, if they're talking about a God that won't meet the need, if they're talking about a God that's going to let them down, we don't need to hear about that God. We need to hear about the God that's going to take you over. We're going to need, we need to hear about the God that's going to meet every one of your needs. So don't give out of pressure just because somebody said, if you don't give, we're going under. Don't give because everyone else is giving. You know, don't just get on the bandwagon because everybody's given to this particular purpose. It may not be a good purpose. Amen. Now, uh, if, if you purpose to be a blessing, then give cheerfully and correctly, and you will get the right return. Now, back in uh, the previous lesson, back on uh, page two, we talked about this cheerful business. Hilarious, merry, prompt, and willing. That word cheerful means hilarious. Now the uh, Spirit-Filled Life Bible says it this way. It says, it is a spirit of enjoyment in giving that sweeps away all restraints. In other words, you're so excited about giving, all restraints, everything to keep you from giving has been pushed aside. Now when you, uh, when you fail to give you are, or give for the wrong reasons, you are disconnecting yourself from the blessings of God. If you're giving grudgingly, if you're giving out of necessity, the Bible says we need to be willing and obedient. What is it? Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 says, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the what? The good of the land. If you're willing, if you are obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Now, I've already told you this. Always listen to the voice of God. If the purpose is right, if the reason is right for giving, and God is speaking to you to give, you go right ahead and give. I was in Greer, South Carolina one night. This has been many, many years ago. And, huh? Somebody said yes. They didn't realize that. I'm not that old, am I? <laughs> but I was in Greer, South Carolina one night, and it came time to give. 
And I just had, I just had a dollar. That's all I had was one dollar. And it was Sunday night, and I had one dollar, and payday wasn't until Thursday. So now you can imagine what that one dollar was going to have to do. One dollar was going to have to do a lot. Now back then you could do more with a dollar than you can do today. You could do more than you could do today. Well, now the devil was sitting up here saying, don't give, don't give, don't give, don't give. But God was speaking inside and said, look, give all. Give what you have. Give, give, what you, give what you have. So I obeyed God. I gave. Now, before I left that church that night, a lady walked up to me and gave me back 10 times what I put in the offering. Gave me back 10 times what I put in the offering. God will not let you down, people. Amen. God's not going to throw you in the ditch and, 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 and walk away. As a matter of fact, he's not going to throw you in the ditch anyway. The devil will throw you in the ditch, but God will pull you out. Amen. You can expect a return when you do it God's way. Back in Deuteronomy 28, it, uh, Moses told the people, if you will observe to do everything that I've instructed you to do this day, he said, blessings will chase you. Blessings will overtake you. Blessings will run faster than you're running. You, 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 you're going down the road and blessings are behind you and they are overtaking you. They're, they're traveling at a faster pace than you are. Now, what had Moses told the people to do? Now, we talked about this last week, remember? If you'll drop all the way back to, verse, to chapter 26 and read the two preceding chapters coming up to 28, all of the ordinances, all the instructions that Moses had given him, he was talking about tithing and offering. Bringing the tithe, giving the offering. Then he says, if you will do all of these things, God will cause blessings to overtake you. God will cause blessings to run faster than you. Now, here's something you need to know. You need to know where to give. You need to know where to give. It's important to pray about where to give other than to your local church because we've already found out from Malachi 3.10 that you are to bring tithe, you are to bring offering into your local church. Your tithe belongs in your local church. Don't take it somewhere else. Don't give it to another person. Bring it to the storehouse. But you don't need to pray about giving in your local church. If you've got to pray about that, then you probably need to be praying about the church. You've got, you got another problem. Now, if you don't care what happens in your future, then don't bother to listen to God at all. Don't give at all. If you don't care what happens, you know, if you're just going to let come what may, most, and most people operate that way. They wait. They wait until trouble and difficulty comes before they begin to plant their seed, before they begin to give, before they begin to, to, to listen to God. In the natural, in the natural, different seed take different amounts of growing time to harvest. It depends on the seed you're planting. It depends on the ground you're planting it in as to how long the harvest is going to be. Some seed will produce in, in just a few weeks. Some seed take the whole year in order to produce. So there's different growing times in the natural, well, even in the spiritual. Even in the spiritual, we can look at it that way. It depends. The same is true in the spiritual. That's why you should watch where you give and how often you give. That's why it's important to give every time so that you've always got a harvest coming in. Give on every occasion, and, and the harvest is continually coming in. Now, what about the hundredfold return? Now, Mark chapter 10 Go look at Mark chapter 10. You're almost there, just a few pages back. Mark chapter 10. Here's, here's what Jesus said in verse 29. He said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house 
or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he hath received an hundredfold now in this time houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecution and in the world to come. Now in verse number 29, he says, no person left a house. And in verse number 30, he says he's received it a hundredfold in houses. The first house was singular. The second time it was plural. So that tells me the seed is being what? Multiplied. The seed is being multiplied. You're going to get back. God says that he's going to multiply the seed. It's an exceeding uh, abundant return. It's a generous return. In Mark 10, it was singular. Uh, the, the house was singular. The houses were plural. Uh, and now, if you go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where we, we've been using a lot that a lot. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says, Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food, and does what? Multiply your seed sown. So God's going to multiply the seed. It's going to come back like this corn that I was talking about a little bit ago. You're going to put one in the ground, but you're going to get back a bunch according to God's Word. The seed will be multiplied if you do the right thing. Now, we don't give expecting. Well, we do give expecting, but that's not the purpose for our giving. That's not the sole purpose. We're giving because we're worshiping God. We give because we're honoring God with our giving. In uh, Proverbs chapter 3, Go there right quick. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. So the very first part of everything that you get goes to God. If at the end of the week you draw your paycheck, you calculate your increase, you businessmen, the first part goes back to God. Guess what? If somebody comes up after service tomorrow and puts some money in your hand, gives you something, isn't that an increase? It ought to, some of it ought to go back to God. The first part, the tenth of it ought to go back to God, and you ought to tack on an offering with it. He says, if you do this, listen to what verse 10 says. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst forth with new wine. Somebody came here one time, I, I, I want to think it was Russ Tatro, I'm not sure, and he was talking about conduits. He was talking about the blessings of God flowing, and like you are a conduit through which the blessing of God is flowing. As God sends money into your life, it's not being sent there just to be deposited and looked at. You remember what the rich man said? I'll tear down my barns and build new ones because I don't have enough space to hold. And God said, you're a fool. You're a fool for trying to store up and hold up and not use what I've given you to bless others. But so Russ Tatro says, be that conduit which, through which the blessings flow. He says, because when water flows through a conduit, sure, a lot of water goes out the other end. But the conduit is constantly wet. Amen. The conduit is constantly wet. So if you become the conduit through which the blessings of God is flowing, yes, you'll be giving out on the other end. But God's allowing some of it to wet your life. To just keep you watered and keep you nourished all along the way. Now, when you put your money in the world system, you can expect it to be affected by the world system. Where moths, rust, and thieves decay. And thieves steal away. But God's environment is an environment of abundance. 
God's environment is different than the world's environment. And when you begin to prosper, I've got to wind it up with this. I'm about to get into Pastor Singletary's time. When you begin to prosper, don't forget God. Let's go to Deuteronomy, 20, Deuteronomy number 8, verse, uh, chapter number 8, and let's look at two or three selected verses there. And then we'll, we'll close it down with this. Uh, verse number 11. I'm just going to read selected verses. You kind of stay with me as I go through. Uh, chapter 8, verse number 11. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. Verse 13. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget God. Verse number 17. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. Now that's typical thinking. People think, well, hey, I did this. My hard work got me here. My intelligence got me here. All of my education got me here. Everything I know got this for me. But listen what verse 18 says. Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that hath given thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant. That word power means capacity or ability. God has given you the capacity. God has given you the ability to do what you do so that you can gather wealth for one reason and one reason only. And that reason is that he can establish his covenant upon the earth. He doesn't give it to you to make you some high and mighty individual, but he gives it to you so that you can establish his covenant, spread the gospel. And not only that, but make himself known in your life. He, he, he is shining through your life, telling the rest of the world that, he is a, that he's a good God. Amen. Amen? Amen? God's a good God. you believe that? Amen. 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 Won't you stand up, stretch your legs, move around just a little...